Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to the 442 podcast. And today, Liam? Oh, we've got another belter. We've got a chap who's been at Man United for 19 years. He's served the English national team for 15 years. He's done four World Cups two Euro Championships. He's worked under Sven Goran Eriksson, Fabio Capello, Steve McLaren and Roy Hodgson. At Man United, he's worked under Sir Alex Ferguson, David Moyes, Jose Mourinho and Louis van Gaal. He's made one professional appearance for Doncaster Rovers and he's played for Oldscrum Town for seven years. Today, we've got Rod Fornley. Hey lads, how are you? We're good. Can I just correct you a little bit? Which ones have I got wrong? It's Thornley. What did Not I Thornley. Thornley. It's um, how I've spelled it. Right? I've read it. How I've sp- so it's Thornley. Yeah. Ben's brother. Ben's brother. Yeah. Right. He played for Man United as well, he didn't did, he? did, yeah. And that was actually my name for many, many years. Oh, you're Ben Thornley's brother. No one ever knew my name. <laughs> they all knew him. He played under some managers, aren't you? Yeah. I'll say played, works. Let's works. tell them what you are. What are you? I'm a masseur. Sports massage therapist is what I've done. Oh, semi-professional footballer. I was, yeah. I played at Altrincham. Um, Congleton Town. Town. I started off at Warrington Town as like 17-year-old kid. Um, then got to Congleton and then to Altsy from there. Um, I developed late. I was like a little sprog when I come out of school and got to about 17 and I became all of a sudden stupidly quick and I knew where the goal was. So, nine years at Altsy. Yep. How did you get into what you're doing now? You know what? I was very, very lucky. Like we've discussed, Ben, Ben, my brother, he was already playing for Man United as like youth team sort of reserve level. And, and he had made a couple of a few appearances for the first team. So because of that, I grew up with uh, my younger days, like the likes of Gary Neville, David Beckham, Keith Gillespie. They used to all stay at my house on a, they'd play like an A or B team game in the mornings and they'd stay at my house. They'd go out together on a Saturday night and they'd stay at my, we had quite a big house back in Salford. And um, so I knew all them lads did well. Um, and I dropped out of college and I went and got myself a bum job as a lifeguard. Um, in local local leisure centres around Salford. And uh, at the time, Gary Neville started dating my sister and actually got engaged to my sister. Really? Yeah, he did, yeah. 
And um, they opened Cavington Training Ground over in 2000. And because they helped in this brand new facility with a big swimming pool and stuff, legally they had to have some sort of cover with a lifeguard on there. And the, the head physios, that was their job to sort of do this. And they were training up the physios at the time uh, to be lifeguards, but they needed someone there and then. So Gary threw my name in and the head physio, Rob Swire, reached out to me one day, early January 2000, and said, do you want to come in and we'll have a chat with you? I went in there to see what was, they were saying. A couple of days a week, yeah, sorry, a couple of hours a day for the, for, for the week, um, 10 hours a week, like, do you fancy it? And I, so I quit a 40-hour-a-week job just to go in there, 10 hours a week, on the chance that something might come of it. Literally two weeks later, listen, we like you. Do you want to, uh, you seem to know everyone. Do you want to train up as a masseur? We haven't got one at the club. This was 2000. The club didn't have a sports masseur. They had qualified physios, but no masseurs. So I went dead right. That was it. Sent me off to Cardiff, did a course. Qualified a year, year or so later, and rest is history. Pop it is. So that when United would have won the European Cup, that one. Just off the back of the treble winning year, 99. Five months later, I'm there. And you're a United fan anyway? Massive United fan, always have been. Was that like a a Monday to Friday job then, if you were playing no priority on the Saturday? It was was generally seven days a week. So there were many days where I've got a game for Ulti on a Saturday, but I'd be in working on the Saturday morning. But... So Alex was brilliant in that respect. He would let me get away to games. So for, uh, we were in the conference. We, I'd have to go down south and stuff. I wouldn't have to go in on that Saturday morning. It was a, there, was a, there was good leeway there for me. It was brilliant, to be fair. But knowing you had to be in possibly on a Sunday for recovery. I was always in on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, you were seven days a week, generally. Which wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad thing on a Sunday because I'm no. sure you're hearing the stories and everything else yeah. from the Saturday night, etc. on exactly, a Sunday. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But yeah. a joy, though. I mean, if you're not going to be a player for the team you support, to actually work for them and be involved with the players every day is, is fantastic. Unbelievable, honestly. Unbelievable. I just, it, yeah, obviously I always wanted to, I wanted to be a footballer. I was never good enough to actually be at that level, but just to be in amongst them lads and to, to, to associate yourself with them and to, to, to be part of them stories, not just listen to stories, be part of them stories. It, it was brilliant, you know? I'm going to think the, the night so. Back in 2001, 2002, 2003, with social media not being massive, I bet there were some proper nights out there, weren't there? We knew, we knew how to Christmas party, yeah. That was definitely a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say then, 19 years at United, who were your best mates? Who did you get close to? Uh, Wayne. Wayne, because I met Wayne before he came to United, when he, was at, when he was at Everton and I was with England. So obviously he burst on the scene at 16 years old and... Within a year, he'd bypass like the under 18s, under 21s of the England setups and come straight in with our first team. So I got to know him very, very early doors. Um, and we uh, we came quite close very quickly. So I knew him well before he even came to Man United and we stayed friends ever since. And like we were literally in each other's pockets 11 months of the year. The only times we were away from each other was when he'd be on holiday with his family. Um, and we'd just literally spend all the time together. Even when I didn't want him anywhere near me because I wanted a little bit of a break, he'd still be knocking on my hotel room door, saying, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? Young though, wasn't he? Raw. Well, back then he was, yeah. Back then he was, uh, listen, he... He's a kid, isn't he? He's got, you've got he to was be a kid, kid still, you? He was a kid, he was so right. He, he, when he burst on that scene, 18, 17, 18, 19, that 2003, four sort of area, he was the only one of the last 20 years that could have given Ronaldo and Messi a run for the money for Ballon d'Or, in my eyes. He was he was phenomenal. We should win the 2004 Euros if he doesn't break his foot. Do you reckon? Yeah. Because you were so close to him, 
Rod, you were one of the first people to know that he was making the move to Man United. I was, yeah, I was. That was. And you gave uh, him a bit of advice, didn't you? With, with yeah, Alex. yeah. So, so we uh, were in we're in the uh, hotel, the team hotel in in Portugal, in Lisbon, um, middle of the Euro two thousand four tournament, and uh, me and him are downstairs in the games room playing playing FIFA on uh, PlayStation, and we just sat there and play. And he turned around and he said to me, Rod, he said. Uh, if I'm going to ring your boss, like, what do I call him? I went, what, you mean Sir Alex? He went, yeah. I went, well, he's my boss. I'd call him boss, but you'd call him Sir Alex because you don't really know him. He's like, right, okay. I said, hang on, whoa, you're going you're to ring him? What, what, you come to us? He went, well, what do you think? I'm going to ring your boss. What do you think? I said, right, well, just call him Sir Alex, mate. Call him Sir Alex. And I'm buzzing now because my mate's going to come and sign for us. I'm thinking, oh, brilliant. Call him Sir Alex. Don't get it wrong. Call him Sir Alex. He went, right, okay. Anyway, he gets his phone out, rings him. Oh, there and then? There and then. There Flies and away then. with England? Flies away with England in the team hotel. Gets his phone, it rings him. All right, Alec, it's Wayne. Oh, <laughs> God. And that was him, like, he just... I reckon care. Sir Alex would have liked that. I know, so, I know Sir Alex. And then. All right, you know and it, it he, he doesn't like being called Alex, like, he doesn't like it. He likes to be called Sir Alex. He, he, he likes he, it well, he's earned the right. I've I seen mean. him many a time say to someone who's gone, Alec, can you sign this for us, Alex? And he'd go, what? Did I go to school with you? It's Sir Alex to you, you know? That's what he was like, Sir Alex. And probably because it's somebody so young as well. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, a lack to of respect thing. Definitely. That's it. But in saying that... He was desperate for him as well. Yeah. He knew that this was the world's hottest talent yeah. and he was on the verge of signing him. So I'm just going to bring you back to Alty. Did you get on any uh, FA Cup runs when you were with him? A little one in 2001 when I first, 2001, 2002 when I first signed for him and I scored 30 goals in my first 30 games and oh, I was... Oh, what position were you? Well, there's a way down a little bit. I know, but I'm just... Goalkeeper. I wasn't a right back, was I? Goalie. <laughs> I was centre forward. I was a centre forward. I was quick centre forward. Yeah, yeah and, I, I, and we went a, a decent one. I only got to the second round. We got knocked out by Downton and then that was the closest I ever got, really. Who did you play in the first round? <clears throat> Ooh, Lancaster. What a crap draw that I is. I know, terrible. What? So your conference yeah. club, were they We same? were in conference at the time, we were one below. I bet they were as well, weren't they? Lancaster were the same league as us. I bet you both got that we draw. Both, we were both first and second in the league. What a rubbish draw that I know. is. Well, at least one of them is going through though. I mean, yeah, that's the way you exactly. look at it. Take and the positives. Down, yeah. And we knew we had Dan's because we went to a replay as well. So it was even worse. You dreamed on the question. You did think you got Darlington, there's a chance because they were two leagues above us, they were professional at the time. Yeah. And we, this is a chance, okay, we get through them, we get a big team, but no. I mean, that was a fairy tale, wasn't it? Everybody crowded around the, the TV or the radio, just yeah, waiting yeah, on that yeah. draw coming through, thinking we get a decent club because Lancaster. Even <laughs> look, you know, I, remember, I remember it because I was like, it, we'd played the replay on the Tuesday night, and I'd scored, I think I'd scored a penalty in the replay. And on the Wednesday night, I'd gone out in the Ritz in Manchester. And I knew the manager of it did well. And match of the day was on that night. And I knew they were showing. It might have been my only ever goal on match of the day. So he grabs me and takes me up to his office in the in the middle of the nightclub, like, and I'm steaming. But we're watching match of the day with me on it. I remember it well, yeah. So you do have good memories from that, even though I do you have great memories from Altrincham, yeah, brilliant memories. Growing up, you know, both you and Ben, good players in your own right, and and everything else. Ben goes on to sign for Man United. You've still got. You're still wanting to be a footballer. So this was difficult because when Ben sort of like hit that path of, he was at Man City first at like 15, then I, I've come home one day and, I, and I, it's like a Friday afternoon, I'm coming home from school and I'm like 13, 14 years old and I walk past my front room and I look in my front room, it's fucking Sir Alex is sat on my sofa. 
And it was it was Alex Ferguson. Then he wants to Alex. Then he sat on my sofa with Brian Kidd next to him. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like, and I'm and I'm like, you. Did you think it was you? I, oh no, I didn't know because I at the time I wasn't playing football. Right. So I've run. I knew it'd be Ben. Like, so I've run in the house. I mean, mum and dad got to calm down. Like, we're just having a chat. Just stay out the room for an hour. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he said hello to me, and then I've gone out of the way. And it was, they were trying to sign him from City, basically, which they did in the end. But at that time, I'm watching Ben play everywhere, and a lot of the attention was on Ben rather than me. And my my team folded that I was playing for, and I never really signed for another team until I was like 17. So I didn't really play football in the really pivotal years, like you're 13, 14 to 17. I didn't really play football. So and I was small anyway, and I, I, I didn't really grow until I was 17 anyway. So. I missed out those chances. Do you think it was the case that Ben was so good and that's where the family attention went initially? I think so. And I, I don't got... think they meant that. I don't no. think they meant that. But I think a lot of my time was spent, because I was a little bit young and a lot of my time was travelling down to wherever, watching him play in London or whatever, for, for Salford School Boys were at the time. And yeah, I had to go with the family because I was young, you know. So in reality... You... Sacrificed yourself to a degree early on. It's not I because of a family thing. I had no, yeah, yeah, no choice really yeah, no in it. It yeah. was one of those things, but it is what it is. I'm just going to go back here. Something I've missed. It's my detective instincts. This job. Oh, you're sharp at that. Your Ben signed. We're at Man City. Yeah. Sir Alex and Brian Kidd were there trying to sign him. Yeah. Is that tapping up? Well, I don't know if it is tapping <laughs> up at a kid's age. Like, I don't know what it what it was back then. No. I'd, I just think. Do you know what it is? It's I don't called... think he actually was signed for City. He was just training with them all the time. Right. I don't think there was no contracts involved because if there was, he wouldn't be able to, would they? But... but even where, good prospect, he were good at getting that, wasn't he, Sir Alex? He got all especially the best... local. Yeah. Especially local lads. Yeah. I mean, if, if Sir Alex and Brian Kidd had both put themselves out of their way to come to your house and you're sitting down on your couch, they're not leaving until you've signed. Yeah. No question. And I think also that's a huge mark of respect for them to turn up. Yeah. Personally, to you know, but to put Alex did that. Over. So yeah. I know for a fact Sir Alex did that yeah. a lot to to a lot of players, and that was his personal touch. So he that was what he was brilliant at, and that's where he would get to know the families as well, and that's that was a huge thing for him because when you're bringing a player in, you want to know what background they're from, you know. And Sir Alex was big, big into that. And yeah, if he could he get his own on that on the golf course that he knew everybody in the club, everybody, not the well, players, the club in and around the training ground. He made sure he knew. Everything he could about everyone that was there. Walked in the offices, he'd know, he'd know like the, each each of them's partners and what they did, and the canteen staff and the kit men and what their wives were called, and he just knew everything about. And everyone. was he nice and polite to them all? Uh, he liked the staff, not the, the players. Staff. The staff. Um, yeah, he had his moments with everyone. So Alex was one of those. You could you could come through a door and turn onto a corridor, and he's thirty yards down the corridor, and you'd know within the first two seconds whether you were to just get your head down and say hello and walk off or to start a conversation with him because you could just see in his face. If he was like thunder, you'd just go because he'd just not be in the mood for you. But majority of the time, he, he was brilliant with everyone, you know. But there were obviously times when he was angry over something and he'd just stay out of his way. Would you say he run the club? I would say 100%. Yeah. From, between between him and from, David Gill, they were, the best, yeah. they were the best partnership that that club ever had. Forget York and Cole. So Alex and David Gill, the best, the best partnership that that club ever had. You've got to say probably in football. Yeah. And, you know, and, when you look at it. A lot of people say that Man United's decline over the last 10 years has come from Sir Alex leaving. They forget it's not. It's come David Gill left. David Gill. He was integral to that, that football club. What do you reckon he got involved in then, Sir Alex? Would he be involved in... Everything. Everything. Well, everything. Just like everything. 
I mean, the game's changed now, obviously, because you know football clubs have got huge employees. You know, they've got a huge number of employees, all doing different jobs, and not yeah. just one for each job no. now. I mean, they've got you have a director this, list. a director yeah, that, exactly. a director this, a director well, that. But Sir Alex used to just make yeah. sure he had his finger on the pulse with everything. So I'm just going to, for your job, give us like, what would be your role, let's say, Champions League, quarterfinals at home, playing Real Madrid. Yeah. What was your job that day? That, that what day? Would, what would be your role? <clears throat> what did they want you to do? So back in that day, Man United would stay in a hotel, Gemma the Lowry in Manchester, the night before the game. So I would be in the hotel with the team. Staying or not? Staying. Yeah. Overnight, we would treat the players in the evenings. They would go to bed. We'd be there available for them all day the next day up until we leave for the hotel, for the stadium. So I'd be there for treatments in the morning. I'd be there for treatments in the afternoon. And then we'd go, they'd go to the hotel, or the stadium, sorry. And then in the dressing room, you'd have generally 90 minutes before kickoff. So you'd probably get about 45 to 50 minutes to treat whatever players you need to treat. There was normally a routine where you knew that I knew that Wayne would be getting on with me at some point. Not just myself, the physio, the two, three physios that were there would do something. The other masseur would do something. It was always similar sort of routines. But as long as you got those, for example, the starting 11, as long as they were covered before the game, they all need, if any of them need anything, and you got that done. So straight away, starting 11, that's your yeah, priority. That's your priority. And whoever's, whatever name, whatever character. Yeah. So there were times, there were definitely times when I had to pull other people, other masseurs, physios, and go, hang on, you ain't even starting. Let's concentrate on the lads first. But like the mentality of some footballers, they 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 don't care. Like even if I'm on the bench, I want my treatment. You're like you know, you didn't care. So, twenty minutes before the game, will you be in the change room or not? Twenty minutes before the game. So uh, for many many years, until David Moyes took over, I was on the pitch doing a warm up for for I'd say for seven or eight years when the lads were doing a full on train full on session of warm up. Me and Wayne used to just ping balls for fifty yards. That was, that was his warm-up for England and for Man United. But so Alex allowed it and Sven and whoever allowed it with England. Is that, again, sounds tough, John, you know more than me, you've been in that environment. Great man management. You oh. play a happy with his friend. Just, just... Without doubt, he's allowed his best bar to go on and warm up with him. So yeah. he's in the right frame of mind, isn't he? Whereas Sir Alex, clever man, if he turns around and says, no, you're not doing it, what frame of mind is Wayne in then? Which is what David Moyes did. We'll come to the managers <coughs> later on. No, so I'm going to keep to Sir Alex because he probably is the best manager ever to live, really, isn't he? He's certainly up there, isn't he? I mean, when you look at it, the, the amount of trophies, he's got to be. He's got to be. Yeah. Has to be. Got to. I mean, consistency, everything else. And, and you've got to remember as well, his job at that time, because he ran the club from top to bottom, encompassed so many different things and so many different departments. It wasn't just coaching wasn't them players just, on that pitch. Yeah. It was and you look everything. at it now. So the managers now, they've got all people doing all these things yeah. now. He had everything going through his head. So were you in the pre-season when they played Lisbon? When Ronaldo played for Lisbon? I was in the dressing room, yeah. So half-time, you are in the dressing room? So to explain this one, there was a corridor with the dressing room of the first team like on one side of the corridor. On the other side, it was like a little, no bigger than this room, but it was partitioned halfway across. And the coach was in one side... And the staff, and myself, the physical, the medical staff, and the uh, kit staff on the other side, a little partition thing there. So half times come, we've done our stuff in the first team dressing room, come back to get our clothes on to go back out for the for the second half. But we get trapped in there because Sir Alex is in there, 
they, uh, David Gill, if I remember right, David was there. There was also someone from the Lisbon set up in there, and they were talking away, um, and it, obviously about Cristiano. We want him. Same thing happened at full time. He's had a great game, the lad. Uh, and same things happened at full time. And the team's all gone. They've got on the bus now, waiting for us to finish packing up. We're trapped in this room because we're the other side of this partition. The doors this side, and we we can't get out. And we're listening to this conversation between our people, their people. So Alex involved. Cristiano turned up. He's involved. And we wanted him that night. Yeah, we were desperate for him that night. I think you got him that night, didn't you? Well, we agreed to have him that night, but he. So Alex wanted him on our plane that night, going back. Taking him back. We wanted Seriously. Him yeah, Take but now boots. he said he wanted to go and see his family yeah. and make sure and it came like a day or two later. Did he stand out that much? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember, so I remember I remember this because I'd watched the, it's like the under 18 Euros or something that, that summer. It was some, one of those tournaments. And I remember speaking to, to Sir Alex on, on, on that trip. We'd been over to America and I'd said to him, like, there's a, there's a couple of lads that play for this Lisbon team that, that are decent. One was Ricardo Cresma. And, uh, and the other one was Cristiano Ronaldo. And I'd watched a pair of them play for Portugal that summer and they were both brilliant. And he went, aye, aye, we got, we've got our eye on them. That's so he obviously him. just wanted to see them up against yeah. the boys, like to see how they figured, see how they fared, and then made his mind up very quickly if he's doing it. Yeah. What were the players saying afterwards? Did they... they bring... Get him, sign him, yeah. bring him, get him. Then you straight away. straight away, yeah. I mean, he was up against, he was up against John O'Shea and Danny Pugh. So no disrespect to them too. Then again, Nolan for his debut. He did, yeah. Came on a sub. He destroyed Gardner. Yeah, he did. Oh, I had Gardner on Nicky Hunt, I remember, yeah. Stupid step-overs, yeah. And the fee, what was it, 12.5 million? Was it that much? I think so, yeah. I don't remember the fees. Who were the artists in your time there? The artists, I mean, oh, on yeah. the pitch. I mean, both, Vidic, both. Vidic. Vidic was hard as nails, honestly. He, he was, he'd run through a brick wall for you. I, I think that's Serbian mentality. They're all yeah. men, aren't they? Yeah. I thought he would have said Japs, Japstam. So you not hard? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that one. Yeah, it was. Roy Keane? Roy Keane, yeah. You probably could go with a few here, couldn't you? You could yeah. keep going there and I'd say, yeah. Anderson was a little hard nut. Would surprise you. Was it? Yeah, Anderson was a little hard nut. For 15 years United, you've seen a lot come in, come out. It was the best. Best talented lad. I mean, I have to throw Cristiano in there. Um for such a short space, I mean, he was five years, six years at the club where he just terrorised defences and won, he would win games on his own. And he was outstanding, an outstanding talent. And you knew that he was going to go on to be what he was because he just had that mentality of being, I want to be the best. And he'd tell, he'd tell everyone. And he knew he was going to be the best and he was. Um, he could back it up, though, couldn't he? He could back it up. He was it? unbelievable. Honestly, he was unbelievable. Um, was he well-liked in the dressing room? Um, yeah, he was. He was well-liked. He was a little bit misunderstood because he's got that daft mentality of, of like, he can't do anything wrong himself. He's very he's very full of self-confidence. And I used to, when he used to come in in his larry clothing, I used to just hang it up in the middle of the dressing room when they went out for training just to get on his nerves. And he'd come in and he'd absolutely snap and wipe the floor with me. Going, your English dress sense is shit. And I'm like, mate, look at your gear, mate. It's horrendous, by the way. But like, just to get a laugh out of him, he didn't like that because he felt people were taking a piss out of him. But that was just keeping him a bit grounded right. and level-headed, you know what I mean? But you can imagine, was, though, it, because he's kind of centre of the attention, yeah. that it can rub up people the wrong way in the it dressing could room do, as well. But the thing is, though, the thing is, well, he was a brilliant talent, but he was in a dressing room of brilliant talents. Yeah. Um, Wayne Rooney's my favourite ever Man United player, probably because he's my best mate for 20 years, but yeah, he's my favourite. You don't become the England, England's all-time 
top goal scorer and Man United's all-time top goal scorer without being a brilliant player. And he really was. And the 2004, 2003 to 2009, Wayne Rooney was right up there with, with the best in the world. Definitely. So I love Wayne. Scolzi. There's nothing you can say at Scolzi. The best thing I say about Scolzi is I used to speak to like the likes of Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard when I'm away with England. Behind closed doors, they all agreed. Best player we've ever played with. They'll never say it on a podcast or anything like that. They'll never say it on an interview. But they agreed. Scholes the best player they've ever played with. And then when you're getting recognition from Iniesta, from Xavi and that lot, Scholes was just, for longevity, for me, probably longevity, Scholes was the best ever United player. As fans, lords will say, yeah, they'll probably disagree, but the players can't be wrong. No. If you know what I mean. No, they're up against them and they recognise and. Not just that, they see things that nobody else sees. Do you know what I mean? And he, he was so quick in his decision-making and he was way ahead of the game. He was way he? ahead of the game. Yeah. He just His awareness was just phenomenal, phenomenal. But it's not until they were up against him. They played with him as well. You know, the likes of JT and, and, and Frank Lampard and Scott and um, Stephen Gerrard, they played with him. So they knew what he could bring as a as a, as a teammate as well. He was just top, top draw scores. Eh? And Cut. you can't, can't, you can't go away from Giggsy either. Because you're a bubbly character, do you think like Fergie... Like that in you, having around the players, morale up, having a laugh, pranks. I, I, th- I hope so. I think so. Um, I because uh, he used, used to like you go training, like, or didn't he? As yeah, well. yeah, he did let me train. Yeah, the one thing he did like about me, I used to write the Christmas pantos every year. They always got in the bloody newspapers, but I used to write every single one from scratch. So like I, I, I don't know. I'll give you an example. I, uh, I rewrote Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and called it Snow Black and some and the 10 dwarfs and and just basically I put Danny Welbeck in Snow White outfit you know what I mean and and it, it the, the dwarfs were like were angry with Sir Alex and you'd dress a player up and just put the shirt on and, and just give him a new title and just, you just did something everything. for the crack just, so just was, forget a laugh every single Christmas we'd do a pantomime because when I first went in there in 2000 and this was back in the days of when, like initiations and things like that for, for new new kids and, and the, the youth team and when I first went in the first year, the first Christmas in 2000, they had just lads just stood up in front of the canteen in front of like 60, 70 people pretending to open presents and, and, and it was embarrassing. Like it wasn't really entertaining. But then I just said, right, you know, I'll take this on and I'll, and I'll change it. And I remember the first one I did was Darren Fletcher dressed up as Sir Alex and came in wielding a sword and, and singing Flower of Scotland with a racing, a racing post under his arm. And it just went from there and we just, we just, Took the took the Mickey out of like various members of staff and various just players. for that time, just for that day, just for that, just for that. It was one afternoon, a Christmas lunch. It was always organised. We had Christmas dinner at Cavington. It was normally about three or four weeks before Christmas because the time scales and games and stuff like that. And so Alex insisted on it, and we put a pantomime on. I'd have people mic'd up. We'd have cameras filming it, everything. It was brilliant, and he enjoyed that. He, he loved it. it. He loved it. it. Absolutely loved it. He just laughed his way through them all. Yeah. And some were really insulting, I'm not going to lie. Some were quite insulting little pieces. I suppose for that one day, you knew you could get away with anything well, as you such. Know, you know what I'd do? My yardstick was Brian McClare, because he still worked at the club at the time. And I'd run things by Chucky. I'd wrote the script and, and gone through things. And I'd, and it was the first and second year apprentices I had to act all this out. But I'd run things by Brian McClare and say, do you think I'd get away with this? Do you think I'd get away with that? For example, we had a kid in a Van Nisseroy shirt, but we put a horse's head on him. <laughs> You see, Rude looked like a horse, like, and um, yeah, yeah, go on. Chuck was like, yeah, go on, get on with that. That's fine. Yeah, 
I'm really just a bit angry about it, but get over it. He's going to have to crack, though, isn't he? You've got to have the crack. It's all it's about. The banter in there is brilliant. I don't think you can get away with it nowadays, but back then you could. You tend to probably have a go at the better players as well, don't you? Because it's yeah. got more effect, doesn't it? We had it? one one year where I had uh, a lad walked out, and I don't know how I'll fit this into the panto, but a lad, a lad walked out with a Cristiano Ronaldo shirt on. So obviously, that's Cristiano, with this like rope, like a lead. And he walked away, right away across the canteens, about 20 yards, and he's pulling out, here, boy, here, boy. <laughs> he's pulling at this lead. And all of a sudden, pops through the door the other side of the canteen with a collar around his neck and the lead attached to it, Nanny. So he had <laughs> Nanny as his little dog. <laughs> Nanny was fuming, honestly. Was fuming. Everyone out giggling? The whole place erupted laughing. Erupted laughing, yeah. On a serious note, some at big games, Liverpool or City, which is the biggest game when Fergie were there? Liverpool. Liverpool. Would it Not be... many Man United fans will say City. Would that be like the week before playing them, the tension, will things change or not? Uh, nothing really changed in that respect, you know. You, you soon bought, as a Man United player, you soon bought into the culture of what was important and what wasn't important and, and who, you, who your enemies were really and everyone knew very quickly that Liverpool were the, the team we had to beat. Historically, we were beaten. City were just, like Sir Alex said, City were just noisy neighbours. What about to this day now with City doing what they have done? I still think it doesn't matter. I still think it's Liverpool. They'll probably say the same Liverpool well, as well. It's tradition, well. isn't it? They will do. It's tradition. It goes it, back it, a long, it, long way. It won't go away, that. No. And I think if you, you probably if you said City anyway, it's given them too much respect from a Man United point yeah. of view. So, yeah, it probably stands. Any good away trips stand out? <clears throat> you uh, had the crack or they played well or you've heard something? Um, Liverpool away is always a good show. Uh, the, the key to Liverpool away, we always thought was, as Alex would say it often, shut the crowd up. First 10 minutes, shut the crowd up, because they are a 12-man at Anfield. Talk us through that then. Where would you stay the night before? Liverpool. Varies, really. It's only 40 minutes from Manchester. It, it, it varied, honestly. Towards the end, we stayed in a lovely hotel called the Titanic, and I think they still use that same hotel now, which is right on the docks at Liverpool. But So the Man United players stayed in Liverpool the night before? Yeah. That's a wise Quite move, move isn't it? We stayed yeah. in many hotels in Liverpool. Probably won't do no after hearing that, will we? Yeah, no, we stayed in many hotels over the years. Any European nights kicking? I'll say saying that, no, for having a laugh, I bet it's more pre-season for you, isn't it? So, yeah, pre-season. You can have a laugh more, can't you? you? Can, you can, it's a bit more relaxed pre-season. The European nights, I mean, you get some brilliant nights. You get some brilliant nights where you've got the win and maybe you'll stay over and have a drink after that. Um, but there were some, there were some great, great nights, like Porto away. Was a fantastic night. We had a right good drink after that. Remember the famous Ronaldo goal from about seven hundred and twenty yards. But that, still on the it, way it up was now. in like a bullet, wasn't it? Oh, it was a joke of a goal. Yeah, that for me it was his best ever goal for Man United. Away trip. Yeah. Night before. Yeah. Players are in bed. Yeah. Can you go downstairs and have a beer? Under Sir Alex, yes. Under Sir Alex. Yeah. It Would depends he be on the manager or not. It depends on the manager. Will he be about then? Sometimes. Would he trust you? Yeah. Sometimes. And will he have a wine or something? So. Generally, Sir Alex, night before a game, would just leave us all to it. And what he liked to do was have his coaches round him and have a nice meal. So the team would generally have their own evening meal at 7.30. It was the set meals that they could do. So Alex would some would go to the hotel restaurant and have a proper meal and, and have his staff round him. And he'd have a few glasses of wine, yeah, definitely. Back then he would. And then that would, we when we finished doing our work, the medical department and the kit men were ready We'd all join them and we'd have a chat and he'd set in so Alex would tell stories and 
what have you. Not every time, but a lot They're of the times. They're the best yeah. times. When he's talking, you just sit down and listen. Oh, you just listen, because some of his stories are just phenomenal, honestly. Not that I can remember any. So, sad time, him leaving. Did you all know before you were going to leave? Um, he told us uh, on the day he was getting announced. We didn't know. Because you uh, it two years before he said he were retiring. Then yeah, and then changed his mind, yeah. On the day he told us, he sat us all down in a room and um, he said, I need you, I need to tell you you're my staff. Right? And it was like the coaches, the medical staff, the kit men, uh, the analysts. So there was about there's about 20 people in the room, he said. And he was his speech was brilliant. He gave us his reasons why to do with his wife, Cathy, and to, to spend time with her now she's lost a sister. And there were a lot of tears? Not really. Not really tears, no, not really. Oh, people would be gutted. Was it expected? Kind of half no, expected? No, or it wasn't, was it out you know, the blue? It was out the blue. It was a bit yeah. out of the blue because he had announced it a couple of years before. They yeah. went back on it and we think, oh, he's never going to retire him. He'll die, in that, he'll die in that office up there. But no, yeah. So David Moyes doing a great job at Everton, done a great job at Preston, and probably since Man United done a great job. Yeah. Just didn't click. Just, just didn't happen for him at, at, at United. Was it more whoever come in that weren't going to happen? Yeah. I think Sir Alex knew. At that time, I think he knew that the team he had, even though they just won the league by about 10 points. Did they win it or did Chelsea give it them? Was it not a Chelsea 10-point lead at Christmas? They won it just... by 10 points, so, so you can hardly say you got given the league, you've won it by 10 true, points. Yeah. No, you get the wrong it. word, though. Yeah, OK. It's maybe by a point or something, but yeah. it's not. By 10 points, yeah, it's comfortable. And it was a comfortable league win, and but I think he knew that that team he had was either ageing or just weren't good enough. Um, and whoever came in was going to struggle with it. Right, if you're enjoying these podcasts, please comment, share, and just spread the love. Your help is going to help us, isn't it, John? Absolutely is, yeah. Share all your mates, all your friends. Help us out. And it's easy to do, and it costs you nothing. So just uh, do us a good turn and share it around. Do you think a lot of criticism after he'd went, saying the team was allowed to grow together, and it, it kind of, you know, a lot of them came to the sort of end of the road at the same time. Do you think it was always going to be difficult for the next manager coming in? I think whoever it was. It was whoever it was, and it was going to be difficult. on the back of Sir Alex, plus having that transition time, you having to build a new team. Yeah. Well, do you think anybody would have made it work? It, it would have taken someone top, top. It would have taken a pep. For me, I think he's the best manager around. I think it would have taken a pep to, to, to come in and make that team a successful team. What do you think he got wrong then, David? He uh, was... Listen, I don't want to sit here and criticise David Moyes, but he was indecisive. He was indecisive, and he was, he was, probably like a rabbit in headlights when it when it comes to the actual the, the club. Really, I don't think he realised how big of a monster it was. Um, and it was, he changed things he probably didn't need to change. I think in his head, I think he thought that that'll make a difference. But like we would. Little small, like removing, as Giggsy always said, and removing the chips from the menu in the canteen. Never going to make a difference to anything. We'd been eating them for the last 20 odd years under Sir Alex, you know, been successful as hell. How do, how do you mean? So, what did he change in the canteen apart from taking like just, the chips? Like out? Re removing desserts and, and just little things that obviously he was, he, he had this thing about, you know, diet and being right, which it's fair enough. It's, a, it's not, it's eight managers, but we've done this for done this for 20 years and I know you could sit there and we did for many years say well under Sir Alex we did this under Sir Alex we did that we have to move on we have to move with the signs but there was better, there was better things to change other than that you know do you think though part of the reason was 
Sir Alex because if Sir Alex has done it, he's want to get away from that. And if there could have been that definitely, and yeah. it was certainly more of like Sir Alex definitely does that. Okay, we'll change it. But the problem was he wasn't getting the results that he that he wanted on the pitch, so he, he could he could defend what his changes were, you know. Yeah. So if if he was getting the results, he could say, "Look, see, that was why I did that." But it wasn't really happening on the pitch, and we weren't playing good football. And I think the things like I love Felly, but a Fellaini in a Man United shirt didn't look brilliant, and it wasn't the way Man United liked to play football, you know. And that was his signing; that was his real marquee signing. Him and one matter. I remember that. Was he under pressure to sign someone? It was right at the death, one. not it? Right at the death. Yeah. Loads of pressure, why not sign And he could have got Felly, from what I can gather, could have got Felly three months before. Could have signed him early doors for a lot less money as well. But because he, he dilly and dallied and didn't make, didn't make a decision, like he, uh, he had to get him right at the death and for big money. But in the end, Felly, as a Man United player, I thought did brilliant for us and scored some really important goals. Um, but he's not what you'd stereotypically say is a Man United flair player, you know. I know it's miles away, but they're not done the same thing now with Vigorst. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's always still out on him. So David Moyes leaves. Yep. Who comes in next? Louis Van Gaal. So I put it wrong. Van Gaal. It's all right. Yeah. In Bolton, it's Van Gaal. Yeah. yeah. He did all right, didn't he? Yeah, he did all right. He did all right. What the was he like? The one thing. What was he like? Oh, yeah, he's very strange. I think that this new manager is very strange as well, from what I can gather. Personality. Like he was he was it was a human being, he was a lovely human being. And when you took him away from football and just sat with him when he's he didn't have a team talk on his shoulders or Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. He wasn't talking football. What a lovely guy. I mean, we won the 2016 FA Cup, was it? The 2016 FA Cup final we won. And um, he knew he was getting sat the next day. Um, but he just got on with his job. And we had a, we had a party that night in London. And I had my kids there. And I, my, my kids were having pictures. He's only seven years old. I'm pictures all the players and stuff. And I took him to, to see Louis. And Louis, to be fair to him, um, Knowing all this crap was going on around him, he turned around to, to my son who sat him on his knee and he went, see your dad? Your dad's a fantastic man. And I just thought, oh, fucking great. That's just a nice son, that. And I'd have no run-ins with Louis as well, like, and I'm outspoken and I, I, I... Did he let you train? No. Uh, oh, yeah, little bits, little bits of feeding and stuff like that. I joined him with that. But even then, like, if I passed the ball badly, fucking hell. You'd <laughs> you were getting me. it. Oh, I was getting it, yeah. Are you at Masseuse? I know. I know. Masseuse. Masseuse. Am I getting it wrong? Yeah, one's a woman, one's a man. Oh, sorry. Masseuse is a woman, yeah. Right, sorry. 
It's a way I tell him, Jimmy Crank. I know, I know. <laughs> no, yeah, but he was so he was so tunnel visioned and he was so like this. And he was he was so oh my god, he was it was painful at times. Because every training, like for example, the week of a training, if you were playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, you knew exactly what was going to happen in training every single, and it was like boring. Oh, do you mean you were doing like a 20, 30 minute passing drill and then you were doing this and then you were doing that and it would never change. It was just like rigid. Um, Would that go through the players you hear them talking? Oh, the players hated it. The players hated it. To the point of, I did Louis do one year, I can't remember how many years, he did two years, didn't he? And the, the, of, the second Christmas, they just like they lost the team. Wrong, obviously, you were a captain at time. So, if the players hated it, who do they tell? Do they go to the captain? Do they go, what? What? It, I think it depends on it the makeup of the club, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it depends. It was, uh, at the time, I think Wayne was Wayne captain at the time, or was it Gary Neville's? No, Gary Neville gone by then. I can't remember who was captain at the time, but maybe Van Tommy once. But even then, that's a problem because he can't speak English. But you know, it, it was just one of those things that. He, he could see he was losing them, but he didn't know how to resurrect it and then sort it out. Um, and he, he sort of got him back on after changing his training and making it a bit more light-hearted. But you could see he didn't like it being light-hearted. He that needed that to was be, against him. Oh, massively against everything he believed. So he's doing that to appease the player. Appease the player. Try and get but them then as soon as he started to appease him, he went back to his old ways again and then lost him again. I take it he wasn't well received in the dressing room and overall. Not really, no, not really. There was a, a t- the lads who were intelligent learnt a lot from him because they knew, okay, if I'm going into coaching, I know how to set a team up to not get beat because he knew how to do that. But like off the pitch, I mean, for God's sake, every meal was like a wedding, a wedding meal. You know, we'd we'd, we'd um, for example, let's go pre-season. We'd have breakfast, lunch, dinner, supper. So you'd have you'd have four meals, right? And you'll know this, John. You don't want to be called out of your bedroom at 11 o'clock at night to go, oh, I'll turn at night to come down for supper. But that's what he was doing. And every meal, you were at a table like this, there'd be eight players around it, eight players around that one, eight around that one. But the head table, the main table, the wedding table, I used to call it, he'd sit in a certain seat. He'd have, he'd make sure he'd have his doctor opposite him so he could get the medical info. His coach there, his coach there, the press officer there, and then... The further you go away, that obviously the less important he was. So I was like, right at the end of that side, you know what I mean? But like every meal was like that. And this table would have to go and get its get its food. And as they're coming back, they start to get theirs. But that time at night, well, that's not good. Either. But he's watching this happen. This is constant. He's watching this happen. And if he sees that table not getting up to get theirs because they're coming down, hey, why are you not aware? Awareness is a big part of football, blah, blah. You need to go when they're coming back. And he was right oh, on it constantly. And he used to just sit there, just looking around like that all the time. He's lost the dressing room, hasn't he? He must have done. That was, from, that was from day one. That was from day one. You got used to it. And then every single meal, he'd stand up at the end of every meal and he would discuss tactics, he'd discuss formation, he'd, he might tell you the team. Sure, that's too much, you know. It, oh, it was too much. It was too much. And it was like, it was painful. And if you were if you were late, you were in trouble. And oh, he was, was a nightmare. So the brilliant. Jose Mourinho comes in. <laughs> was he a breath of fresh air then? Um, Jose, I mean, I'm lucky because when Jose came in, he latched onto me and he saw something in me that he just thought was different. And I'll chuck one back at you. Go on. I bet Bobby Robson, Sir Bobby Robson, yeah. did the same to Jose when he went into Barcelona. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he did. Some similar, similar allergies or whatever. Yeah. How do you pronounce it, John? 
similarities. Tongue tied again. Jose, Jose, just well, Jose, like he was, and he, when he first came in, he was he was brilliant to work for, and he he lifted the place, and he made everyone feel special, and he he was he, he was just enjoyable to work with. Obviously, some people might not have seen that because they might have gone on the end of his little snaps that he has, because he does. He's a he can be a nasty bastard at times, um, but majority majority of the time when he first came in, he was he was. Like he's going up, he's going up the plane on preseason tour. Like people asleep, putting shaving foam in their arms. You know, so they when they wake up and do that, they shove shaving foam all over them. That's what he was up to. Just a kid, he was like a prankster, as well as intelligent. Yeah, he was intelligent. Yeah, another one. He was a he was a negative manager in respect of he didn't want to get beat, so he'd rather protect his goal than score more. Um, but he was he for me he was for the first eighteen months he was he was phenomenal to work for. He absolutely loved me. Threw me on the training pitch. He he had this. He stayed in the Lowry Hotel at night times, and he was he was out with his coaches in 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 Manchester many nights, going for meals and stuff. And he he click his fingers. Then I'll come running to him like lap dogs and and go out wherever he'd say go out. And that's what that's why he's got them with him everywhere he goes. They make he makes them fortunes. But he used to text me say you come and meet us in come to Manchester come and have a night and I was. Maybe if you had swanned off them, maybe you would have continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, right. You know what I mean? You're you right. might have been working abroad. I suppose, and I stick to him. But what you said, it was great for the first 18 months or so, and he was really enjoyable to work for and be around. What changed? Um, I mean, results. Results changed. And once results changed, he just he just looked for any excuse to have a go at anyone, really, around the place. Um, his whole demeanour changed. Um the way he dealt with players was at times poor, as well as the way he dealt with them was brilliant at times. But yeah, the way he dealt and he, he could really make a player feel awful and feel like shit. Um, and sometimes it was unnecessary. Uh, he just wanted players that would run through anything through brick walls for him, and sometimes that's not possible. With you know the, um, I'll say Anthony Marshall, like he's never going to run through a wall for anyone, um, because he's not that way inclined. You have to treat someone like him differently. So Alex would know how to treat him. Jose didn't. So you're never going to get the best out of him. He was he would just throw an injury in after injury after injury just to not run for him. So do you think then it goes back to people above making the decisions? Because again, if you're bringing in a what you would call a back foot manager as such, yeah, that's not the Man United way, is it? No. So you know it's going to end in tears at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I, I agree. And I tell you the other thing with Jose here, they're massive being his bonnet over. He hated the fact that he couldn't make signings. Once Sir Alex and David Gill had gone, the managers had less and less um, decision on, 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 on bringing players in. They won't have a say. Yeah, they'd have a say, but Jose would moan constantly about how, the, 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 how Ed wouldn't bring in the players he wanted. It was a kind of decision there when you think about it because it's easy to blame him as well, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So even if he has had a bit of input in the players that have brought in, if they don't work out, then, well, it was his player, wasn't it? It wasn't my player. Exactly. Yes, you've got an answer, though, haven't you? He's yeah. not his player. But I think, that, is that modern football changing modern now? Football. Yeah. Modern football now, even yeah. even the, the recent signs at Man United. I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that they're not um, all Ten Hag signings. Even the, the, like, even the likes of like Casemiro, because the club's got to think about money constantly. It's a it's a money making machine, and it's not. Sometimes you you can find this kid from from for example Malaysia from Ajax. We ain't gonna make you millions because people don't know him. Yes, he will make money because he's now becoming a Man United player. But if you sign 
at Casemiro from Real Madrid, he's going to make the club billions on the back of shirt signings and stuff like that, the shirt sales and stuff like that. So there's, there's always that coming into it. So I don't think the managers make as much decision on players than they used to. Do you think that's what's happened with him and that's maybe through what's what's caused the lack of success in recent years really is because of the thinking more of the financial side of things. Definitely. I mean, signing, I mean, Ronaldo coming back for that last period again, is it for short sales? Is it? It's entirely you know, financial. Thing. Are you going to make an impact? If, 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 and no, if someone at the club couldn't look at the, could look at that and go, oh, it'd be brilliant signing for us that the club need to get rid of that person because there's no way you could have brought Ronaldo back watching him for the last five years and thought, yeah, they'll do well in the Premier League again. You couldn't, yeah, he scored goals, but you just had to do your homework on Ronaldo. You know what he's about, and he isn't. He would never have been a good fit in the dressing room. I think the days have gone where the manager ran the club, and the manager decided the final say and everything. So now managers have got the excuse of, um, well, I didn't bring him in, so it's not my, it's not my problem. You know, I've, I've had to play him. He's not my player. Going back to Josie, then did he leave in? Had he had completely lost the dressing room at the point of leaving? Dressing room. He knew he'd lost the dressing room. He um he difficult this one. Um the results weren't going his way. He was completely a different person to what he was when he first came into the club. Um and it was only a matter of time that they were, the club were gonna get rid of him. I think I think Jose being Jose, he likes to make it difficult for people when things aren't going right and that's I think he was doing that across the board. Just looking for that way out at that point. Yeah. He was kind of goading him into sacking him, really, at some point, wasn't he? It seemed, towards the end, it, it seemed. seemed that way, yeah. yeah. England. Four World Cups. Brilliant. Let's start with the fifth. 2002, Japan and Korea. My mate, Mr. Ericsson. What's his oh. first name? Swen. <laughs> <laughs> Swen. Swen. Yeah. Sven going Yeah. I'll try and get out. I thought I got out of that one. Yeah. Japan. Japan and Korea, yeah. I'm going to bring one game up. Go on. England, Argentina. Penalty, David Beckham. Yeah. What a great penalty, wasn't it? But it went in, didn't it? Oh, he scuffed it down the middle, really. Keeper dived out the way of it. Was there any, do you feel any pressure leading up to it or after? There is pressure with that because there was history with the the England, Argentina thing because back in the 98 World Cup, um, they, when the Michael Owen had burst onto the scene and right. we got done on penalties. So Campbell scored a great goal, didn't he? Yeah. Remember. Yeah. Oh, no, that was. Was that? Oh, yeah, it was that night. Yeah. yeah. So. Stats all. Okay. So, I got um, the words right. They celebrated like mad when they beat us that day, dancing all over the bus and really shoved it in our faces. I wasn't there, obviously, 98. But by 2002, there were still players. Part of that '98 setup, the Michael Owens, the Gareth Southgate's, them sort of people, they were all part of the 2002 World Cup squad, and they made sure that everyone realised how important this game was, and how big it was, and how much these pricks were were behaving like knobheads after the last game. So, yeah, there was a, there was a big needle in that one. It was a good game. What was it go like for yourself then? What were you doing that day? Wow, that actual day. Yeah, what I'm trying Very to say. Similar. No, because we've Very got similar. a North South players, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Everton players, uh, Liverpool so, United players. What I'm trying to when say you is, meet with England, you, you, did you they bring team. their own masseurs? No, no. You, when you when you meet with England, you're one team. So you had, uh, back then, 2002, we had two doctors who were Arsenal doctors, one Arsenal physio. We had a second physio. 
a, a second physio from like Yorkshire way. We've been there quite a few years. We brought in, funnily enough, I met this guy for the first time in 20 years at Old Trafford last week. Sven brought his own physio in, right? He was to work with the players. And we had two masseurs. So there's seven of us in the medical department. And it was basically hands-on with everyone. You had to treat them all. We had, we went into that tournament. In the build-up to it, we got Ashley Cole did his knee ligaments, slight medial knee ligaments. Kieran Dyer did his. And so did Bex did his, uh, his metas, famous metatarsal yeah, thing. So, honestly, we built up to that World Cup. We went. We had a week in Korea where we played a, a, the Korean team in an island called Jeju. We were on this. Um, it, it was like Tenko, this this hotel. Like it was a little, like a little prison, but it was supposed to be like their like, idea of luxury. It was like we. This, but it weren't. It wasn't. Only because the experience I had, like this Dutch physio, was getting me up like six o'clock in the morning. Me and the other master, and we were working with the three injured lads. He obviously had Bex because he worked on the glory. And uh, me and me and the other lad had Ashley Cole and Kieran Day, and we were working with them till about nine o'clock. Then the normal team would come in, prepping for training. So we'd work with them. Then we got the training ground. I'd be chasing. I was still only young. I was like 25, 26. I'd be chasing around balls and doing drinks and all that sort of stuff. We'd come back from there, lunch, working with the players in the afternoon, dinner, working with the players in the evening until last thing at night. We'd have to get the three injured lads back in because. We've had to concentrate on the rest of the team. And we'd work to let with them till like half one, two o'clock in the morning. And this guy would get, right, okay, we finished with let's go and have a sauna now. And I'm like, mate, we're up again at six o'clock in the morning. What are you? No, come on, we do a sauna. We're doing that. I'm 25. All right, okay. So we're getting and we're knackered. And this went on for a week. And we were literally on our last legs. We pulled another another masseur out. And it was just that was probably one of the hardest working weeks of my life. That it was non-stop, 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 and we were just knackered, no sleep. But that was just a, an extreme version of what it was like. But generally, World Cup days, World Cup games, it was same as. You'd be in the hotel overnight. You'd done your work in the night. You're there for any of the daytime. And you got the game. You do stuff in the dressing room. I'm going to ask you, did you ever get involved in training for England? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, two or three times, yeah. Makes you laugh, doesn't it? What were you doing? What stands out? Uh, I just remember. I remember a possession game where I, I remember Rio in it. We'd done a possession game, and then I, I think Steve McLaren was manager at the time, and I, uh, I, I was, it was like put into four teams, and I was in one of the teams. So we'd done the possession with two teams, and I just, I remember just getting one out of my feet and just switching a big long diagonal joint in a possession, which I just one little thing, but I remember it well. And then um, in the games, uh, I never actually scored in the games, and I was played as a forward, and Rio was marking me. But Rio said I did really, really well. He said some, and he, I remember one bit of Rio's advice. He went, you know, sometimes it's better just to stand still. And I never forgot that. And I just thought it's weird that because I always taught, was taught to be on the move. And, and Rio said to me, you know, as a striker, sometimes it's better to stand still because it confuses them because they think they're going to move and they don't. And I just found that weird. Give you, they're not nicking the ball. It's going to give you half a yard, isn't it? It's yeah. weird that, John, isn't it? You never heard that, have you? Obviously, yeah, but you're you're also giving somebody a target on you. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to hit a moving target yeah. with a pass. So you're giving somebody a target, and if they want a wall pass, etc., you're always available. I was thinking it from Real's point of view. Mm. He, he he must have been thinking like, if I stood still, it it would confuse him more. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, right? But yeah, and so you don't you just don't forget that. I mean, I, I used to join him with the keepers a lot. Ray Clements was the goalkeeper coach, and he couldn't really. He was getting old now. He couldn't really strike a ball well. So I used to do. I, I've got. I've got pictures of, at my house of 
me crossing balls at Wembley for the goalkeepers in the warm up, stuff like that. And then one of the World Cup, um, one of the World Cup open days where the media were allowed to come in to, to watch training. I remember um, it, we, we played head tennis. It was me, David James, Scott Carson, and Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. And I was against James, I remember that. And uh, I can't, I think it might be Robbo. But I did stitch me up and sent me one really far back. And it was a it's low, low net, head tennis. And I'm running away from it, back to it. And I've just pulled off the most perfect, like Pele-esque overhead kick. And I've landed it in. And James put it into the net and, and he returned. So we won the point in front of all the media. That sort of stuff you never get. And I've got it on video somewhere. But I don't know where that is. Say that with you, won't you? Yeah. Can I just ask you, if I take you back, I don't want to stop your flow, but if I take you back, how did the England appointment come around? So it was literally, there was, so there was always two masters with England and um, the lad that was, uh, whose job I took, he was very, he was a Chelsea master and Gianluca Viali got the job at Watford as manager, God rest his soul, and he took him there as general manager so he couldn't carry on doing the job. So Bex, I'd been on holiday. I was on holiday. I was actually on holiday with Gary Neville, who's with my sister, and I was my girlfriend. We're over in Malta, and I got a phone call in the summer of two thousand and one, about about June, and he said, um, he, "He rang Gaz, and Gaz, Gaz said, yeah, Rod's with me now." He said, "Put him on the phone." And Bex just went to me, "How do you fancy doing the uh, the England job as well?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" He went, "Yeah, the lad who was with England is gone with Watford, and we need another masseur." And, Spoken to the physios and because they're all Arsenal based and Southern based, we thought it might be an idea to have someone Northern based and renewing. And I was like 20, 24 at the time. So it was, so it was David Beckham then that really yeah, made David the phone Beckham. call. Yeah, yeah, got you in there. Was he, he was captain. He was captain. Yeah, yeah. Sven had his ear. Good. Had he had Sven's ear. Can I have yeah. a cheeky? Go on. I'm going to be very cheeky. Go on. What kind of money? Would that be like going away? Is it like a set amount or is it only? It's days? a set amount. And at the time it was the same as the players. And it's not massive money. But theirs all goes into a pot for those that goes off to charity. For, for me at the time, it was massive money, yeah. It was fifteen hundred pounds a game. And that was so the game. So you don't know how many games you have, do you? It, you're generally looking at about eleven, twelve games a year. So that fifteen hundred pounds could actually be a week's work on it as well. Yeah. You're away traveling. Yeah, you could you could have done a three dayer. Because some games were just three days, or you could have done like so. If you the ten days were generally three grand, oh, so you got looked after then. You got looked after. There was many perks of going away with England. Many, of course, many one perks. you've been with the best players. So yeah, was there a divide then, North and South? When I first went in there, or United, Liverpool. Or when I first went there, there was definitely a divide. When I first went in there, you had David Beckham, Gary Neville, Andy Cole, Teddy Sheringham, Phil Neville, Nicky Butt. Um, oh, look, well, rewind. I thought Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole don't get on. They didn't. But they'll sit together. Well, they were... They, I'm just naming the Man United... Oh, sorry, sorry. The sorry. Man United players that were in that squad. When I first got in there, there was like eight Man United players out of 23, 24 players. So big chunks of Man United. And when I first got in there, you'd know, let's say lunch was 12 o'clock. United lads had been and gone by 5 to 12. Gary Neville would round them all up and be going, and there was there was a big divide back then, but that changed slowly over the years, and they became less and less Man United, and at that time more and more Chelsea. So now when John Terry, Frank Lampard, Ashley Cole, Wayne Bridge, they all started coming through, and Joe Cole, and there'd be more and more Chelsea. So you were seeing as the as the as the time went on, there was a link holding everything together, 
and it was Wayne Rooney. Was it? Yeah. He he didn't believe in being these different teams all over the place. He he would sit in amongst the Chelsea lads. He'd sit in amongst Arsenal. He'd sit amongst Liverpool. He didn't care. He would just. But let everyone know what he was doing. So you'd be it'd be open, it'd be open and normal and, and setting a standard. He was just basically saying, Listen, this is us, like we're England and we're together. That's what he would do. So he was doing that off his own back. He yeah. yeah what he, influence did Beckham have then? Because he was a skipper, so you know, Bex, did, what, or what camp did he? See, Bex was more Bex was more led by Gary Neville. Right. Yeah, as much as he was skipper, yeah. Bex was quiet and shy and timid, he really was. Where Gary was vocal and out and outspoken and Gary was like so pro Man United where I think once that had all started calmed down and the Chelsea lads came in and stuff it it, it didn't it wasn't so much a divide and there really wasn't so much a divide in the end Stevie G then came through and Carragher and all that lot so yeah it, there wasn't that much of a divide it, and it was a good setup. I love going away with England it was a really good setup. You're saying there I mean Wayne Rooney did it off his own back, but really that was Beckham's job, wasn't it? Really to get everybody together. As well, a skipper, it, you'd expect that. You'd, you'd expect that, but yeah, it just that wasn't that wasn't in the makeup because they were so pro Man United, and Wayne really wasn't pro Man United yeah. because he come from Everton. Eventually, he was like a, a huge United fan, but he still got blue in his heart, you know. Yeah. He, he wasn't. He just wanted to. He just. I don't. I don't think he intentionally did it. He just. That was the way he is. He's just one of those kids that just mingles and chats and talks. Talks crap to anyone, really, because that's what he does. He talks crap a lot, you know what I mean? As his best pal, yeah, you'd yeah. that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Were you allowed a beer then on England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staff, afterwards? Off. Yeah, night forget. Night, night, so any night you wanted, really, you could go into the bar and have a drink and there'd be no problem. Sven would love a beer. We, I told you, we, we spoke about um, Billy de Masseur from Chelsea, who then eventually came and met up with England and uh, he would work with us and have a night time, especially night before a game. Sven would have Billy in and telling his jokes and we'd all sit around laughing, having a few beers. Yeah. Steve McLaren liked to be with us. He was he was good as well. Um Capello, not so much. Yeah, he, had to, he had to be a little bit careful. I'm gonna go over one. Sven, Fabio, Steve, Roy. Who were your favourite? Is that why? Why? Oh, why? <laughs> that's a tough one. Well, that's a tough one because that's right. Don't sit on the fence like some do. I, I, I won't sit on the fence. I, I love Sven. Sven was a great bloke. He's a really nice fella. Appreciated it. We liked a beer and like was was all right with that. Capello. There was always a language barrier with Capello, um, and it, he disappointed me, Capello, because he came in ruling with an iron fist. Like when he first came in, the first day he came in. So I just told you about the Man United players would, would have been and gone by the time twelve o'clock's come. Whereas now. This first day, I remember Wes Brown was in the squad. I can't remember what year it was. 2006, was it? Seven, eight? No, it was at the McLaren, 2008. And um, the first squad, the lads were just milling around outside the meal room, weren't sure whether they could come in or not. Anyway, they come in and uh, and there's one big table for the for the players. Now, that had never been done before. There was always loads of little tables, but now there's one big table that players all had to sit together. So they sit there. The staff sit on the littler tables, smaller tables. Anyway, um, players get the food, they sit down. Just as the lads are tucking at the food, Capello jumps up, no! Screaming, no! And he sees the butter on the table. Butter, no! Starts throwing the butter off the table. No, butter, no! Was screaming, no butter on the table. Like, well, okay. This is the first sit-down meal. First sit-down meal altogether for the England team. Okay, no problem. Doesn't like butter. We don't want <laughs> So we carry on the food, we sit down, it's a little bit subdued atmosphere, a bit quiet, and then uh, 
I, I think I'm going for a dessert or something like that. And I walk past, I'm walking past Wes and Wes says to me, I'm, I'm close with Wes. He says, Rod, he says, uh, can, we, can we get up and go or what? Because like, he's too scared to ask him himself. Like, so I'll, I'll go ask him now. So I went back to the uh, to the same. I said, uh, boss, the players want to know if they can go. And he went, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. So anyway, I went back to Wes. I went, yeah, he said, you can go. So about three of them got up out of the 20-odd and they start to walk out the room. No! He's up again. No! He said, you all go or all stay. And that was his way. Like, And that was it. They got tellings off and that was it, done. Um, and, and that's how he started. And that first game, I think one of his first games was Germany away. I think his first game was Germany away. And uh, the pre-match meal that day was a massive big bowl of pasta, no sauce, a toaster with some bread next to it, no butter. So you actually had to have dry pasta or dry toast for the pre-match meal. Did we win? No, that was the 5-1 in 2001. Would you have liked that, John? Toast and pasta. I had a similar thing, actually, with, with Scotland. It was exactly the same. 30 votes? And there was no... It was actually John Collins. John Collins oh, had it? went out to Monaco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Signed out there, went through all these things, came back. Next time there was no sauce on chicken and things like yeah. that. No butter. Uh, oh, no... Everything was gone off the table, and there was a bit of a rebellion, yeah. and it only lasted a day. But the thing was, I said I wasn't disappointed in him because by the time we got to play Germany in the 2010 World Cup in, God, where were we? Bloemfontein, I think we were. Bloemfontein's France. It is that's a, that's like what was it called then? It's, it's South Africa. It's it was in South Africa. All them views as or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, the night before that game, so we'd gone from no butter. Just playing pasta to night before the game, he's walking around with bottles of wine and beer, offering the lads joining because he'd lost the dressing room completely. And he's he just like for me, it's just like I was just so disappointing watching a man go from iron fist to whimpering really and, and just begging him to be back on board. Okay, so the question was right, okay, who was Sorry. the best out of Sven, Fabio, Stephen, or Roy? Uh, Stephen Clone, great coach for me, great coach, but didn't. Didn't do too well as a manager. Um, Sven, brilliant manager. Can I give you a Roy Hodgson story? Yeah. Can I give you a Roy Hodgson story, right? 2012 Euros in Poland, in, just off the square of Krakow, right? If you've been to Krakow, it's a really lively place. Strip bars everywhere, loads of people everywhere. Um, turned to the master at 11 o'clock at night. I said, come on, let's go and have a beer. Just get out of the hotel. Let's go and have a beer just somewhere on the streets. Just stay as we dress, like just nothing, not going out, out just a, a beer. And, yeah, okay, no problem. So we're right in the middle of the Euros at the time. Games going on left, right, and centre, fans everywhere. We're sat outside this little bar, me, um, the other masseur, and a security lad. And we're just a couple of pints in, got to about half 12 at night. We look, he's bowling down the middle of the street. Roy Hodgson on his own, England manager, just walking down the middle of the streets, fans everywhere. He looked over, White Woods, is that boss? How are you? I'm going to join you for one. He comes over and sits with us, and he has a, has a beer. And just sits down. We're just having a nice chat and a beer. And I tell you what impressed me that night of every time a fan come over, he recognised him, whether they were Italian, Swedish, English, French, Spanish, he spoke their language. He was brilliant. And he was dead pleasant and he just spoke their language and he was he was phenomenal. But that was Roy. I, I like Roy, he's a good he's a good bloke. He sounds like everyone's granddad. Yeah, that's what he was. He was like a granddad, yeah. So answer the question. Sven. Well, I give it again. Sven. Sven's your top man. Sven. Yeah? Sven, yeah. Do you know exactly how many internationals you were involved in? 
165. Yeah. So players obviously get a cap. Yeah. Do the staff get anything, a memento or we, anything for every game? At 100, you get like a, I've got a board with, with all a lot of pictures of me on with in, in the 100, and then the 100 was made out of the pictures of me and all everyone signed around the outside of it. Did it the same for 150 as well. And they gave me a like this beautiful trophy on 100 games as well with the, the Lions on and a ball. It was, did you get presented by that in the dressing room after a game? Just like or at the meal the table or something yeah. like that. Yeah, nothing on the pitch or anything like that. It was always behind closed doors. You've got a John Terry story, haven't you? JT, yeah. I got on really well with John Terry. I did with most of him, I'm not going to lie. But um, So the night we won the Champions League in 2008, obviously JT's missed the, uh, the massive penalty that he scores and they win it. We're celebrating in the hotel that night. I grabbed the trophy, took a picture of me in the trophy, sent it to JT. <laughs> Get anything back? I did three years later when they won the league. Oh. Sent me a picture of him in the league trophy. Yeah. It's banter that, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. It is. And, and it be was, taken he, was fuming. he was yeah. fuming at the time because it was ruthless banter. But yeah, he saw the funny side in the end and he did the same thing to me. How come it ended with England? United gave me an ultimatum. United said to me, you have to do one or the other. Disappointed? Oh, hugely. So Alex used to. You know, he, he would get things from me that, that you know, good information from inside, you know, and uh, I don't couldn't understand why they wouldn't want to do it. But Louis van Gaal and Louis van Gaal it was, and he just said, like, no, you've got to stop it. I had to stop doing Holland to do Man United, so you've got to just stop doing England. I'm sure Sir Alex would have been saying to you, what's he like training? What's he like fitness-wise? What's, he, what's his body like? Yeah, you know, yeah. It, yeah, does he pick up little niggles? Does never he... anything. He was never like, Sir Alex would never say to me, I want you to have a word with him or speak to him. He would never do anything like that, yeah. but he would, he, yeah, didn't like in training. That's one thing, you'll know the characters, if you're with them all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's a good trainer. You know, he's a... It, was a, it was a strange decision. Did you hold that a little bit against Massively. Van Hal? So throughout your, your, your England career, Rod, I mean, you've, I mean, top, top players, and it's very hard to, anybody stands out. But the biggest, probably the biggest question among supporters is, Lampard and Gerard, who was the best? I bet you don't answer this. Like the last one took ten minutes. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this. I'll answer this. For me, for me, Stephen Gerrard was the better player. Frank Lampard obviously had all the assets. Of a, he's a great goal scorer, but I just think Stevie's drive could win you a game on his own. I think he was brilliant. He had that edge, and he was a top captain as well. Mm. Not just a leader off the pitch. Yeah. It was quality off the pitch, like he was a top captain. Can I spin this around? So as a proud Scotsman, Gerard Lampard, what you've seen? Gerard, without doubt. Mm. Gerard, for me, all day long, uh, I think he's a proper leader of men. I think he's class. Just think all round, yeah, he's the one that stands for me. I'll be honest with you, I was probably close, closer to Frank than I was to Stevie. And Frank might be disappointed if you ever heard that, but like, Bit of a man, okay. It's an opinion, isn't it? It's an opinion, isn't it? Steve is a better player for me. Let the medals tell you. Uh, Frank, Frank, could that, Frank could win that. Frank could win that. Yeah, Frank was surrounded by a lot better players, though. So Alan Shearer not got many medals, but what a player he was. Yeah, no, brilliant. Well, you got to remember. I think England, sorry, Liverpool at that time were having a, a tough time. Tough time yeah. and, and Gerard was carrying the money. He was dragging him through yeah. it. Yeah, on his own. What are you doing with yourself now these days? I am now working as a sports massage therapist, masseur, uh, um, in a in a gym over in Mobley near Manchester called Space, 
Um, it's just won um, Gym of the Year and some national awards over here. Um, and it's I've got a few players that I treat out of there. I've got a few punters that normal Joe blogs off the street. Um, and that's basically all I'm doing. Yeah, I've got my own clinics. You miss it? There's bits I miss. I did it for too long. What do you not miss? Traveling. See, I get, I've got a bit of traveling recently. It's not easy, is it? It's horrendous. Got yeah. kids? I, I had a, I had a marriage and I had three kids. Well, I've still got three kids, sorry. But yeah, it just, yeah, you t- let, I'll example, let's say you played Sunday away, Wednesday Champions League away, Sunday away, right? You would be getting up Saturday morning, got to training, staying with them, going travelling down to, let's say, Chelsea, staying overnight in London, play the game, come back last thing Saturday night, Monday, normal day, back into training, Tuesday, train, off to wherever you're going to, sometimes coming back Wednesday night, sometimes coming back Thursday daytime. You'd have Friday normal session, Saturday training, off you go again. And you would just spend like two or three nights at home rather than most jobs where you spend every night at home. It was, it was horrible travelling. And there's many times where you're, you're sat in a, an airport at four o'clock in the morning waiting for the skips to come through. Everyone else has disappeared because they can. And you're still helping the kit men lugging skips and kit and well, and your suit and you're sweating. It's horrible. Don't miss that at all. Lots of unseen work and, again, lots of family sacrifices. Yeah, massive, yeah. But the drive is England, isn't it? The drive is Man United. The drive is to be involved. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. You got anything else, John? No, he's been top class. Absolutely. I think the people watching this are going to love it. Uh, Rod, Thornley. No. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Thornley. You put an eye in, you don't need to. All right. I've spelt it, I'm dyslexic. Roddy started, so he's finished. He doesn't just let him get away with it. Same as, yeah, Rod, Swen, Thornley. Thornley. Goodness. Hey, he's been great. What he's a golfer. Great. What a golfer. By the way, yeah, I mean, you, you said you haven't played for a while. You don't have hit the ball well, I'll tell you that. I need some I need some stunts on next time so I can slip in. Well, partner didn't do much for you, did it? Big hit to that partner of yours, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you had one good drive. Was it on the eighth? Yeah, no, great eighth. drive. That's a great drive. Eighth. Couldn't back it up, but you had a good drive. <laughs> we got wrong with shot. <laughs> <laughs> but, Rod, no, it's been an absolute it's been pleasure. been a pleasure, honestly. It's been a great day. It's been a Thank pleasure. You. And we'd like to get you back at some point. Anytime Definitely. you want. So, Rod, Fornley. Oh, for God's sake. Fornley. Thank you very much. I <laughs> will see you soon. Thanks, Rod. Love it. Love it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years. Years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.